Here the good news proclaimed according to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, and I read from verse 29 to 49. As I say, 29 to 49, found on page 108 in the Pew Bible. Jesus, the Lamb of God. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw that where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which then translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite, in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. This is the Gospel of Christ. Just as we stand, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that we encounter you in these very pages of Scripture. Thank you that you are speaking to us today as you spoke then, nearly 2,000 years ago. And we pray today that you would lay hold of our lives and speak deeply to us as we listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Special welcome if you're um, here for the first time or the first time in a long time. Um, Cynthia, it's really good to have you back in church with us today. Thank you um, and your family. It's really great uh, to see you. And um, visitors with the Dismits, welcome. Good to see you. 
um, others with us today. It's just so good to be together. Today I want to speak with us about the change that happens when people encounter Jesus. Just maybe reflect for a moment. When you first encountered Jesus or the news about Jesus in your life, maybe you can't remember, you were so young. Or maybe you can, maybe there was a particular day and you can think of that day like the day you met your spouse or the day your child was born. Um, It's a day you'll never forget. John the Baptist knew Jesus as one of his relatives, but he didn't really know Jesus, know who Jesus was until Jesus' baptism at the River Jordan when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and he realized and he said, this is the Lamb of God. This is the Messiah. This is the Anointed One. And in today's scripture reading from John's Gospel, we see three people, or more, but I'm going to speak about three people who get up close and personal with Jesus, who encounter him, and what difference that makes. The first is Andrew. I want to speak about Andrew. And John the Baptist says, here, this is the Messiah. This is the Lamb of God. Behold. Um, Immediately, Andrew and another of John the Baptist's disciples, who we think is John, because John doesn't name himself in the gospel. Um, And so Andrew and John, we think, start to follow Jesus immediately. Now, I'm a big fan of a a local musician from Fisher called Matthew Mole. Has anyone heard of Matthew Mole? Please, let there be at least one. Okay, thank you, Ray and others. (laughs) Um, Matthew Mole, I just love his music. Imagine I click on his social media and I say, I want to follow Matthew Mole. But immediately, I discover Matthew Mole turns around and clicks on me and follows me. And then he direct messages me and he says, Jeremy, I'd love to meet you and find out more about you. I'd be quite shocked, I think, overwhelmed, thrilled that he wants to meet with me. Um, But he's got thousands of fans. He hasn't got time for one Jeremy in Weinberg who's just a a, a music-happy lad. Perhaps Andrew felt a bit of a nobody in the crowd. But that day when he started to follow Jesus, Jesus noticed him. He turns around and he looks in Andrew's eyes and he says to him, what do you want? Jesus is saying, I'm here, Andrew. I'm available to you. What would would you like me to do for you? And Andrew then asks, where are you staying? And when I first read this, I remember thinking, he's he's just trying to make conversation. He's trying to be polite. Where do you stay? You know, where are you from? What do you do for a living? You know, there's nice chit-chat. But I think what Andrew was really saying, where are you staying, is can I come and hang out with you? Can I come and eat with you? I want to know you. There's something special about you. And so off they go together. And it says that after a whole day together, Andrew declares, truly, this is the Messiah. After one day. Last week, I went to visit a friend in Christian Barnard Hospital in town. And I was visiting him, and we were talking, and a nurse came over to me and said, the man at the next bed wants to see you. I thought, okay, I wonder what he wants to see me about. So I went over, and he said, I heard you talking and the two of you and your conversation, we've been talking about our faith and um, in Jesus. And this man said, it warmed my heart and I, I know I want to talk to you. He said, I'm feeling so alone. His name was Clement. He said, I'm feeling so alone. I come down from Crawford and I don't know anybody here. And I just wondered if you'd spend a few moments with me. 
And so we talked and we prayed together. And then he said, I wonder, I'm a Methodist. I wonder if you could find me a Methodist minister. And thankfully, uh, when I messaged the Anglican bishop's office, they sent me a number for a secretary in the Methodist head office in Cape Town. And immediately I got a message back from the Methodist bishop saying, my PA is away, so I'm answering back, um, and I will send a priest today to go and see, um, or minister today to go and see Clement. Thank you for your message. I thought, sometimes the system works. <laughs> uh, Brian, you'll know what that's like, leading the care team at St. John. Sometimes the system works and we get excited because people are noticed and seen. I wonder if you've ever felt overlooked in the next bed or you're um, part of the crowd and you just feel like you've been overlooked or maybe you feel like God has overlooked you. And John says in this passage, if you feel that way, Jesus wants to spend time with you. He, when you approach him, will be the first to turn around and follow you back and say, I want to spend time with you. The second person is Simon. Well, after just one day with Jesus, Andrew couldn't help himself. Immediately he goes out and he tells his brother, Simon, you've got to meet this guy. Jesus looks at Simon when Simon approaches. And it's like he looks straight into his soul and he sees him and he says, You are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. Gosh, Peter must have been quite struck by that. It's the first time he's meeting this guy. And he sees his life. He sees his purpose. He sees where he's going. And something draws him to follow Jesus as well. I wonder if you've ever had things that God has spoken to you in your life and you feel like you've let go of them. Maybe you felt like God promised you something or spoke to you something in the past and just feel like you've let go of that or you don't even know if that is really God's plan for your life anymore. Or maybe you feel like you've messed up. You had plan A but you've tried plan B and C and D and actually you don't know what, which one you're on now. But Jesus says, what I spoke in the past to you, the word I have given you is true today. My purpose for your life, as for Peter, is still my purpose for your life. I haven't given up. My plan A for your life still holds true. The third is Nathaniel. Has a friend ever said to you, oh, I wish you could meet so-and-so, Judy. She's such a wonderful woman. You know, she does this and this. I think the two of you have so much in common, you'd love meeting her. But for some reason, you go, no, I don't think I want to meet Judy. I've got enough friends. Or I, I know people like Judy. I don't need a Judy in my life, for whatever reason. Jesus meets Philip, and Philip tells Nathaniel, and Nathaniel thinks, no, not for me. Can anything good come from Nazareth? He's like, oh, he's your friend, that's fine, but I don't want a friend like that. Actually, do you know, there's no prophecy in the Old Testament about Jesus coming from Nazareth. There's prophecy about him coming from Bethlehem. But he was born in Bethlehem, and then he grew up in Nazareth. And Philip doesn't get bogged down in a theological debate. No, I need to correct your theology here. He simply says, come and see. And he brings him to Jesus. So simple and so beautiful. Doesn't have all the right arguments and all the right theology and all the reasons that he should follow Jesus, but he says, just come and see. Come and see for yourself. There's a, a TV series that was, uh, has been put together. They're still filming, I think, on season three or four 
of it. It's called The Chosen. Has anyone seen uh, The Chosen? It's a beautiful depiction of the life of Jesus. And I think you can access some of it through YouTube. Uh, It's not on mainstream TV. Um, We got it as a family by downloading The Chosen app for free and then watching the episodes on our device. Um, It's just a beautiful depiction of the life of Jesus. Anyway, Nathaniel is depicted in The Chosen as an architect. We don't see this in, in Scripture. But I think that the, the writers are just thinking, let's imagine he was an architect. And so you see a scene where Nathaniel is building, um, and he's got the plans out, and he's directing building operations. But things aren't going well, and the building collapses. And Nathaniel realizes his building career is over, and he's out in a field all on his own, and he's sitting under a tree. It's a fig tree. And he's just cursing God, and he's cursing that he ever had this purpose and this career, and he burns his, um, all his plans, his architect's plans. And he's crying, crying out to God in a way, but he's angry with God, and he's just, and no one sees him, he's just a, a moment alone. And then you switch to this moment where Nathaniel finally approaches Jesus because Philip has said, come and see. And Jesus sees him and says, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. He sees Nathanael's heart. And he says, I saw you under the fig tree. And refers to that moment which is recorded in Scripture. You weren't alone. Your voice wasn't unheard. I saw you. I heard you. I know you. You're a good man. You've got a good heart, Nathanael. Follow me. And Nathanael realizes as someone who sees him, though he's never met him and knows him deep in his heart. And he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And he starts to follow Jesus. His life forever changed. Asiya came from a Muslim family in Bosnia. And in 1991, at the age of eight years old, she escaped the genocide in Bosnia together with her family. She lived in a refugee camp between the ages of eight and 12 with her grandmother, and then finally was reunited with her family again. At the age of 16, she accepted an invitation to go to um, a week-long event in which they were attempting to bring together ethnically and religiously divided people to find healing and restoration and reconciliation. Um, And they started by saying, we're not trying to um, push you into one religion or another, but we want you to know that the principles of what we're teaching are based on the life of Jesus of Nazareth. They were open about that. And in the opening words of the very first session, a friend of mine, Anthony, um, was speaking, and he opened with these words. He said, Jesus does not belong to the Christians. don't know if you find that a bit of a heretical statement. Jesus does not belong to the Christians. He was saying, Jesus is for everybody. He's not got special exclusive rights amongst the church and Christianity. The church is his people, but he's calling all people to be his people. Jesus of Nazareth is for us all. Asia was shocked and she thought, perhaps I could get to know this Jesus too. Because she was a bit angry when she heard that they were going to be teaching from the principles of Jesus. And she was a Muslim. But she started to think, well, maybe I could get to know this Jesus as a Muslim. And so she started to read the New Testament. And as she did, Asya, just like Andrew and Simon and Nathaniel, discovered that Jesus is real. 
that he loved her. And later she wrote a letter, and she wrote these words in the letter. A few days before leaving for home, I surrendered my life to Jesus. My life took a big turn from that day onwards. I came home full of hope. I finally knew who I was. You see, when people encounter Jesus, their lives are changed for the better. Your life is the better. My life is the better for encountering Jesus Christ. So the question is, how can we enable as many people to meet Jesus? Personal interaction comes from personal invitation. Ben is my friend because we have interacted with each other. And God says, why not ask like an uh, Andrew to Simon, come and see. Or Philip to Nathaniel, just come and see. And the Apostle Paul writes, how can they believe in Romans 10? How can they believe if they have not heard? And how can they hear if no one tells them? I remember as a student in Peter Maritzburg in the 90s hearing Angus Buchan speak. He was such a good evangelist. And he would come to the university and put on this big event and everyone would come, thousands. And some were Christians, but many were not. Many people would give their lives to Jesus. And I remember thinking, I could never be a great evangelist like that. He's so good with words and he's got such an amazing testimony. And my testimony was so pitiful in comparison. You know, a good Christian boy grows up in good Christian households, knows the Lord, gets to know the Lord a bit better, is a bit of a nicer Christian. The end. Not really book-worthy stuff. And then I realized there would be no Peter without Andrew. There would be no Nathaniel without Philip. There'd be no Andrew without John the Baptist. There'd be no John the Baptist without the Holy Spirit. And all Peter did that day, or Andrew did that day, was say, come, come and see. Brenda and I lived in the UK for a while and I worked for Alpha, um, the organization with the prisons. And one of the people I met through Alpha in the prisons and then when he was released from prison was a man called Michael Emmett. Michael got a call one day while he was in a maximum security prison from his girlfriend, Samantha. Samantha said, I've just done an Alpha course and I've discovered a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the most powerful thing I've ever done. I want you to do Alpha. And Michael said, he really liked this girl, and he said, how can I um, find out about Alpha? I'm in prison. He said, well, phone this number, this guy called Nicky Gumbel, and maybe you can do Alpha too. And so he went to the prison chaplain, Bill Birdwood, and he said, I would like to do Alpha. Bill Birdwood said, I've never heard of Alpha. What is it? He said, I don't know, but if you call this number and this man, you can um, find out. And so the chaplain said to him, here's the phone, you call him. So Michael, the prisoner, um, called and surprisingly got Nicky Gumbel on the end of a phone, which is not very available on phones because he's a busy man. Um, and he said, I want to do Alpha in our prison. Can you help us? And so Nicky sent a team down and they started Alpha in Dartmoor Prison in 1994. And Michael brought his dad to Alpha. And they said, this is powerful stuff. This is changing our life. And they were thugs. And so they used their thuggish um, gift to tell the other guys on the wings, come, you're going to Alpha. 
there's good food there, and um, <laughs> these people, they bring cake and biscuits, and you'll hear a good message, uh, and you need it, so come. And, and many people came. And Michael and Brian, father and son, who'd been in together for a crime they committed together, um, were transferred from prison to prison seven times. Each prison they went to, they started Alpha. And this thing was spreading as a tool for reaching the lost in prison. And when I met uh, Michael in, um, in our church um, again, he was released and he came to join our church. He told me, I'm bringing my whole Narcotics Anonymous group to Alpha because we've been talking about a higher power. And I said, hey guys, she's a thuggish voice. I'm going to introduce you to Jesus. He's the higher power. Come with me. And he used his thuggish gifts again to, to convince people to come along. And his whole Alpha small group discussion was a group from Narcotics Anonymous who wanted to know about this higher power. And personal in- interaction with Jesus started a personal relationship. Uh, a personal interaction between two people led to someone else having an interaction with Jesus. Thousands of people came to Christ through the preaching of Dwight L. Moody, D.L. Moody, in the 19th century in America. He was an evangelist. Apparently, tens of thousands of people committed their life to follow Christ because of his ministry. But apparently, he carried around with him a list that he'd written of 100 people who he was praying for every single day. People who were his friends or family or not his friends, people he encountered in his everyday life who were not followers of Jesus. And he had this list of 100 names that he prayed for day in and day out. And apparently by the time he died, 96 of the people on that list were followers of Jesus. And four of them, the last four apparently, it's recorded, um, gave their lives to Christ at his funeral because of his witness. The point of the story is he prayed. He prayed over them. We might think, I'm not the best evangelist. How do I share the message? But we can say, come and see. We might say, come and see is quite difficult for me. I don't feel bold and courageous, but we can pray. And when we pray, God moves. Moody was once asked, who was the greatest evangelist ever? To which he replied, the Holy Spirit. He was also asked, why do you keep on praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit? His answer, because I leak and I need to be filled over and over. You see, it all begins with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who revealed to John the Baptist, this is Jesus the Messiah. It's the Holy Spirit who led Andrew to bring his brother Simon. As we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we gain that confidence from being loved by God because there's no fear in love. Our personal prayer leads to a personal invitation, which leads to a personal interaction. And we have the joy and privilege of being used by our Father God to see other people's lives changed by Jesus in this world today. Where am I going with all of this? Well, yes, there is a, is a point. I think the message is there, but, but we have a particular opportunity at St. John's. In two weeks' time, we're starting the Alpha Course. And you would have been given an invitation when you came in. If you weren't, um, you can pick one up on the way out. You are invited. You're invited to come and see. Maybe you think, 
I need to be refreshed in my own faith. I need to find Jesus afresh today. I've got a bit lost. Come to Alpha. It's a 10-week um, journey on Wednesday evenings in the church hall where we're going to have some food together, a meal, hot meal on a Wednesday night. It's a nice way to start. Uh, we're going to hear a message, and then we're going to get into small groups and discuss it. And um, it's a wonderful opportunity to come and bring your questions, to be real with God about where you're at, and to be real with other um, people. It may be that today you've been thinking about someone that you're praying for, or you could be that Andrew and say, come and see. And maybe you want to put this in their hand, or take more if you like, and put it in their hand and say, I'd like to invite you not to go and see. (laughs) Philip said to Nathaniel, come and see, and he took him. Andrew said to Simon, come and see, and he took him to Jesus. They didn't say go over there. They took them. And so when we interact with our friends and see them as our friends, as real people, not as a project, but as someone we love and God loves, then we invite them to come and eat with us. And that's the invitation that Alpha is. There's an opportunity to sign up over there, to come, or to bring a friend, or just to help on Alpha. Um, perhaps you could help every week in serving in some way, or perhaps you'd like to just note that you're praying for this Alpha, and you'd like to be on the WhatsApp list of people interceding for Alpha. Or perhaps you could cook, uh, bake some cookies one week. Um, you can't be there every night, and you could sign up. Please um, grab the opportunity, um, whichever one speaks to you, and come to Alpha. Let's pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, won't you come and reveal Jesus to us the way that you revealed it to John the Baptist and to Andrew, to Simon, to Philip, to Nathaniel. Jesus, we want to see you for who you really are and we want to grow in our relationship with you. And oh, we would love the joy of seeing others who don't know you, finding a relationship with you. Would you use us in that process, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.